We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is it is back, Sean. It's yeah. been a minute, right? It's a show we kind of stopped doing during the season because Saturdays are usually kind of busy with you know games. But the RTCF show is back, and for those who are new or don't remember, RTCF stands for Recruiting, Notre Dame Team Topics, and College Football Topics. So we'll kind of pick three different topics to discuss and Sean and I will discuss those and Sean we're going to we're going to have some really good ones today and uh, we're going to talk in the recruiting section we're going to talk about the transfer portal players you and I have been in the, spent a lot of time in the film room over yeah. the last week looking at the kids that a are in the class already Notre Dame right now has five transfers committed you have obviously Sam Hartman and mm-hmm. Caleb Smith the receiver you have Thomas Harper we'll dive into those uh, guys a little bit and then, of course, you have Spencer Schrader, place kicker, and Ben Grimm as a punter. We will not do film breakdowns of Spencer Schrader and Ben Grimm because we're not kicking specialists. But we'll look at those other three kids. And then I also want to look at uh, Byron Vaughns a little bit, who's a kid that visited this past weekend. He's a defensive end, Viper player from Utah State. Began his career at Texas. We'll look at him. And then we'll dive into a preview of tonight's championship game between uh, Ohio, between Ohio State. I, I'm still wishing my predictions. Sean, I was so close. I predicted a six-point TCU win. Mm-hmm. I got that. A lot more points than I thought. Yeah. And then I predicted Ohio State to win 38-35. If you remember, about four minutes left in the game, it was 38-35. And I'm like, yeah. man, Ohio State, please make a couple stops because I'm going to look like a freaking genius. And they choked the game away. So, Georgia and TCU will preview that game tonight, which is uh, 8 o'clock, I believe, tonight on ESPN. And, but the main show, Sean. And, and, and the reason we are doing this today instead of sort of a recruiting hours, because number one, I want you and Ryan to be able to do recruiting hour. And I made Ryan take the day off today because he had a He's long week in San off. Antonio working his butt off. So I said, hey, you know, you haven't seen your family in, in a while. So go spend some time with your family today. And uh, so Sean and I could do this show, which is why we were going to do it on Saturday, but we decided to do it today. And you had a topic, Sean, that you kind of wanted to kick this thing back off with. And the timing of the Sam Hartman decision and all that was was perfect for this because there's a lot of conversation about Sam Hartman and what he means for Notre Dame and a lot of misunderstanding of some comments you've made yeah. about Sam Hartman. 
yeah. uh, and, and what you're saying about it. So that's what we're going to kind of dive into today, Sean. So why don't you kick it off kind of with where you're kind of what you want to discuss and what you want to uh, kind of bring up today and then also get my opinion on today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, man, great to have the show back. Great to be back with my guy. I call him the boss, man. He doesn't like that. But great to be back with you guys. And thank you for so much love for the hats. I do like, this is my favorite Ivy hat that I have. So I think uh, Brian Driscoll for sending it to me. This is like the tester, right? When you got the new one, you yes. were like, oh, man, I got this green one. I want to send you it wanted to a you. Green, well, you wanted a green hat. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. okay, let me throw them together. And so did I get send you the other one as well? Don't you have the other green one with the gold have, on it? I have the one that you have on today and mm-hmm. the other one. Yes. I, yeah. So you got you got those. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And it just looked so good. I was like, And people loved it. So they were like, can I get one of those? I was like, yeah, let's put it in the store. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a sweet hat. <laughs> Very sweet hat. So today we're going to start the show. And of course, the topic is going to be Sam Hartman, who transferred into Notre Dame on last week. And as you said, Brian, um, for me, it goes back to the Gator Bowl, right? Because in order to really get to the topic, we have to go back to the Gator Bowl. And one of the things that I do is I challenge the fan base to elevate their expectations. Anytime something comes up, and you know me, I stand on the hill. I go against Ohio State fan base, Alabama. Like, dude, you can't change what I think about Notre Dame. I don't care if it has been since 1988. We're still Notre Dame and you ain't, as Lou Holtz said. That's not changing. And so I challenge the fan base. No matter what's going on, you have to feel like that your worth and your value as a program is right up there with the best of the programs, other programs in the nation. So when I saw the reaction during the Gator Bowl, when things weren't going so well, when people were posting pictures of a certain quarterback, you know, I felt it was disrespectful to Tyler Button. And I was like, we're better than that. We don't have to do that. And then, you know, once Sam Hartman decided 
to officially release that he was transferring to Notre Dame, you know, the fan response was almost like, man, he, he's the savior. He's going to be the sole reason we win a national championship. And I'm like, wait, hold up. We, we really need to discuss this because I don't have a problem with Sam Hartman coming to Notre Dame. I understand what he brings to the table. But let's not forget, this is Notre Dame. He needs us just as much as we need him. And we need to understand there are going to be certain games. Every game at Wake Forest, he had to play good yeah. to win a game. There was, no, there was no other way to win. Well, you saw the article when he transferred, Sean. The games of 55, 53, 45, 42, 38 Absolutely. points where they lost. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that is where people, I, I guess they got upset with some of the things that I said which I've never said anything negative about Sam Hartman. I right. never said he wasn't a good quarterback. I never said he wasn't an upgrade to the quarterback position, right? I did sure. say just because he's coming in, I fully expect Tyler Buckner to say, this is my spot. Sure. Come get it. I don't think Tyler Buckner is going to run from a competition. No. And, you know, some people might differ. If he does lose the competition, I expect Tyler Buckner to stick around and be on the uh, roster I, next agree. year. agree. Agree. Those are my expectations. Yeah. But at the end of the day, life is about to get a whole lot easier sure. at the quarterback position for Sam Hart because he's coming to Notre Dame. Right. For a lot of different Which reasons. is why he's coming to Notre Dame. Absolutely. And, and so like to me, Sean, how I take your comment is basically it's number one, there is no magic pill. There is no get one guy and you're good. If you yeah. put Joe Burrow to LSU and he's not thrown to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Clyde Edwards Alaire, he's not winning the championship, right? Yeah. If he's if he doesn't have the the changes that Joe Brady brought into the system, they don't win a championship. And yeah. and if they don't have a, a Dave Aranda running that defense to make stops for a team that scores at will, and then you're you know, you can you know, that can you see what happens with Oklahoma and LSU? That that offense is never good, never good enough to win a championship because the defense can't make enough stops. Dave Aranda's defense obviously was good enough to do that. Right. There's all these different pieces to go into it. So what you're not saying, however, is that you know, well, Sam Hartman doesn't move the needle, you know, because at least I don't think that you are. Because no, I, I, I clearly think he does. And I've heard you and I have talked about this in mm -hmm. private. That's why I was so surprised by some of the takes to what you had said. And I, in this instance, I did not get a chance to listen to that specific episode. You and I talked about it because I saw some of the responses to it. But it's one of those things where, look, we've been adamant about this for years, Sean and I. Notre Dame needs a big-time quarterback to have a chance to play for championship. Absolutely. Do I think Sam Hartman is on the same level as Caleb, uh, Caleb Williams and guys like that? No, I don't. But I don't think Notre Dame needs that kind of quarterback. There's no question that the one thing holding Notre Dame back in many years has been quarterback play. Absolutely. But the, the point is, is that Sam Hartman doesn't walk into a situation with a, with a, a roster that's just, eh, okay. And then he puts it on his shoulders and says, let's go win a championship. That, that's not what's happening here. It's you have a roster that Sam is, is Sam Hartman and a couple other pieces away Mm -hmm. from really being a championship caliber team. And that's what has people excited about it mm -hmm. is, is that right there? Because look, the reality is Sean, and you kind of hit on both points of this, in my opinion is landing Sam Hartman makes Notre Dame and greatly increases Notre Dame's chances of having an elite quarterback, elite quarterback play next year. Yeah, And that's not just if, and that's has nothing to do with that. That's not only about Sam Hartman. It, it's if Sam Hartman's starting quarterback, he's going to have to beat out Tyler Buckner. That's not going to be easy. 
And and if he does beat out Tyler Buckner and he he is as good as we think he can be, and the Notre Dame system and the talent around him is able to do for him what we think it will do for him, because he's going to elevate the talent around him and the talent around him is going to elevate him. That's truly to me the makings mm-hmm. of a of a great offense is Joe Burrow needed those other players around him, but also Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson needed Joe Burrow. And that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And and so when I look at it, I say this isn't a situation where Sam Hartman just comes in and puts the entire program on his shoulders. Sam Hartman elevates the program because he fits a very important role that has really been lacking for the most part for years, if we're going to be completely honest about it. And so that's what has people so excited. But part of the reason Sam Sam Hartman picked Notre Dame is because of the fact that the town around him is going to be so much better. But the other part of it too, Sean, is it's not just if Sam Hartman's a starter. If Tyler Buckner beats out Sam Hartman, Mm. then again, same thing. So your margin for error, which we talk about a lot on the show, is so much greater by getting Sam Hartman because – it's going to push Tyler Buckner to be his best. And maybe it's not good enough for him to be the starter in 2023, but it's going to make him better, which then puts him in position to a step in. If his number's called in 2023 or B when he, if he does stay and takes over in 24 and 25, he's going to be such a better player by being pushed. He's never been pushed by anyone. And truly my opinion, not really most people will tell you, that the competition with Drew Pine pushed him, but it well, it didn't. It, it didn't. I mean, it didn't. I mean, it, you know, Tyler was clearly the better player there. And and I mean, every source I have at Notre Dame said the same thing. Whether yeah. it was Notre Dame sources, people mm-hmm. that were in practices that that I knew that were at some of the practices that weren't open to the media would say the same thing. It's really not close. Talking to parents, talking to players, talking to other people around the program, it was never close. And you know, so so Tyler. Tyler, I mean, Tyler earned the starting job. I don't want to say disrespect him by saying that, but like Tyler was never pushed. I mean, like Jack Cone didn't, it wasn't a push there because Tyler was a freshman. The expectations weren't there for him to come in. I, I know fan expectations were that he was going to come in and play as a, you know, start as a freshman, but that was never Notre Dame's expectation, which is why they went and got Jack Cone in the first place. Right, right. And so, you know, I think it's going to make Tyler a better player. And, and whether that means his time comes in 24 or 25, it remains to be seen, but the thing about it is in 2023, the margin for error has been greatly widened. And if, God forbid, there's another quarterback injury next year, you're now walking a situation where instead of having Drew Pine coming off the bench, mm-hmm. you've got a Tyler Buckner coming off the bench. And then, worst case scenario, a second-year Steve Angeli or a Kenny Minchie. The quarterback room got tremendously better because there's two big additions to the quarterback room this spring. And it's not – I mean, you lose Drew Pine but you're adding Sam Hartman and Kenny Minchie this spring. So the talent in the quarterback room got way better, way better. And now it's just about, okay, can they get all the pieces around him? Do they have all the pieces around him for this offense to be a championship caliber offense? And I think mm-hmm. that's the question here, Sean. And I know that's also leads into some other aspects of this that you want to discuss. Well, you know, we can progress through this. The next spot I want to get to, let me call an audible right quick. Because you said it. something, you said something that was key right there. And you talk about transitioning and bringing him in. He elevates the quarterback room. And this is something I told you. And this is something that made me upset about the response with Notre Dame fans, especially the fans that were like, yeah, we're winning a national championship. You're being unfair to Sam Hart. 
You're being unfair to Sam Hartman. Don't do that. That's the same thing you did to Drew Pine. Sean, when you when you say that, when, do you when mean Drew like Pine, if, when Drew Pine had a bad game, then you wanted to protect him. Yeah. Instead of just looking at it for what it was and just just giving him a chance to grow and play football. Like Sam Hartman is making a true transition. Sure. He's going from a mesh system to a pro system. Right. Now, that might not be a tremendous jump. It, in my fine. opinion, it won't be as big of a jump as Jack Cohen made. Right. Now, he was I'll an under center, play action. Yeah. This is something I had to go to guys that played for Notre Dame to ask them if I was tripping. Mm-hmm. Because Sam Hartman's biggest game every year was Clemson. Mm-hmm. That's it. Notre Dame plays three to four Clemson games. Right. Well, this this next year, especially, every, Sean. Every year. I mean, this next year, Clemson could be their third best opponent. Absolutely. And someone else could jump up in the ACC. Sure. And rival Clemson. Duke, NC Ab- State, Riley, Louisville, all teams that Notre Dame plays next year. So what we're really talking about here, this is why it's unfair. And Sam Hartman has never experienced walking out in Notre Dame Stadium under the lights against Ohio State. He's, he's never experienced that. He's never experienced weeks later Caleb Williams coming in under the lights right. in that rivalry, what that means. This is a whole new level. This is Notre Dame. And right. it's not just the big games. Right. This, Malik pointed this out to me. He said, Sean, it's not even the big games. He said it's the fact that everybody on the schedule seems to play their best against Notre Dame. Sure. He said they're going to get everyone's best. He said he hasn't experienced that. He said, so it's going to be something different that he's going to have to get used to. He said, but the blessing is the five guys in front of him, that running back room behind him, the coaching staff, and everything that he's walking into is going to make it a little bit easier to transition and not to have pressure to be the guy. Mm -hmm. He's going to be one of the guys. He doesn't have to be the guy. All he has to do is be Sam Hartman, the quarterback. Be the same quarterback you were at Wake Forest. If you can do that, we're not asking you to come in and be Bryce Young. We're not asking you to come back in and be a top five NFL draft pick and put everybody on your shoulders and carry us. That's not what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to come in and be a part of what we're already building to. And if you play to the level that we expect you to play to, we're going to be right there knocking on the door of the college football playoff. Because mm-hmm. we have that expectation <clears throat> as a staff in the middle of the season. I think they realized at some point during the middle of the season, once they got things corrected, they realized what they didn't have. They realized right. what they did have. There's a lot of self-awareness. A- absolutely. About what the team was lacking absolutely. In, in a lot of ways. In and a lot this, of ways. Is, this is another year. This is another thing. And then I'll let you ride out. And we talked about this. The reason they feel that way is because the landscape of college football is about to be totally different in 23. It's going to be a very obscure year when it comes to the quarterback situation. Because most of your big-time programs will have first-time starters, except for USC. USC is the only big In Michigan. In Michigan. You're right. Alabama. Georgia. Everybody's going to have a new starter. A new quarterback that they're trying to work in. I think George is probably waiting around for Spencer Sanders after this championship game. That's the rumor down there that more than mm-hmm. likely that's where he lands. 
And if it's not him, it's going to be some other highly ranked kid. The highly ranked kid. Brock Vandergriff, Carson so, Beck, something like that. The yeah. landscape for – so most of the veteran quarterbacks are going to be, you know, at Duke, at other teams. Yeah. You might see some of, the, you might see some of those teams get a little bit more confident after right. watching TCU face off. Well, Notre Dame should thing. be getting more confident about oh, that after watching TCU. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, to me, Tyler Buckner is a better version of Max Dugan. I mean, that's just that's what I see Tyler Buckner as. Be- better playmaker, better thrower when he's on. Yeah. I mean, he's a better version of Max Dugan, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, look, now now the question, however, is why is Max Dugan in the – see, here, uh, to me, the, the title game is a perfect example of what you're talking about, Sean. Mm-hmm. Because think of all the big-time quarterbacks in college football this year, and there were some dudes in college football this year. Yeah. Right there was Caleb Williams who won the Heisman. There's CJ mm-hmm. Stroud. There's Bryce Young. There's some big time quarterbacks. What are they all doing tonight? <laughs> They're all watching the game on their TV just like we are. Mm-hmm. Right? Why? Because the pieces around them, coaching wise and player wise, weren't always what they needed to be. Stetson Bennett and Matt and Max Dugan, neither of them will be to me unless some NFL team is just dumb. Neither of them will be day one or day two picks in my opinion. They're both rounds five to seven guys at best. In my I opinion. guarantee this, though. They will have the best job in all of pro football, which is the backup quarterback. Correct. <laughs> but my point is, is but they were they were guys that came in and did, like Stetson Bennett has really developed as a player. You know, people put too much hype on him. and mm-hmm. But the, the fact is, is he does what he needs to do. But Absolutely. the reason he's he's got a chance to be a two-time champion and Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams have combined for zero – Mm-hmm. is because of the what's around him. Great coaching, great mm-hmm. team around him. And, and that's the point that Sean's making is look, don't put the pressure on this. Is, they're a championship team because of Sam Hartman mm-hmm. because if they don't win, then it will be blamed on Sam Hartman. Yeah. That's the reality of it. When in reality, it may. It may be because they're not good enough at some other places. Yeah. I think the excitement, however, from fans, and I and I get this, is is because the quarterback play has been so mediocre for years that we had to listen to people hype up Ian Book as some sort of like great player, right? And he was just a nice, steady game manager type of kid and good kid and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But not a guy you're winning a championship with. No. You know, can Sam Hartman be that kind of guy? Absolutely. When I watch the championship game tonight, I'm going to be thinking, why can't Notre Dame, you know, at the quarterback position, be on this level? You know, and and that's that's the key. Because Sean, you had made a comment to me like, if he plays the way that he needs to play at Notre Dame and the way I think he's capable of, and so what does that look like, right? So when I look at Sam Hartman and the transition he's making. The difference between him and and Jack Cohn, Jack had to learn completely new footwork, going from being a predominantly under center guy mm-hmm. with a fullback and play action pass and all that to a to a spread guy. And I thought by the middle of the year, Tommy Reese had him ready to play. I mean, Jack Cohn in the last five six games of the season, we were we were we were searching trying to find an extra year of eligibility for seriously, Jack Cohn. seriously. Right. And and I've said this before. If Jack Cohn's Notre Dame starting quarterback this year, mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe one team beats him. Maybe 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 you one team beats him. But you know his his last. I mean, gosh, his last seventy one and point four percent completion, sixty six point seven, seventy nine point three, seventy five, seventy five, seventy point three. Then he was only fifty five point nine in a 
in the in the bowl game against Oklahoma State, but he passed for 509 yards and five touchdowns, right? Yeah. It got to the point where, where we're thinking about, man, if Jack Cohn would have come back this year, what could have been? Think about that statement, though. He was an undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. But that's how thirsty Notre Dame fans are for a, for, a, for a quarterback that can play. And you know me, I'm a big proponent of Jack Cohn and what he brought to the table. But Sam Hartman, to me, is making a, less of a transition in a, in a lot of different ways mechanically. All he needs to do is eliminate stuff, not add stuff. He has dropped back under center from shotgun. He's going to eliminate that mesh stuff that got that. That's when a lot of his mistakes would happen. Is he'd get into that mess stuff and he's throwing like because the met the slow mesh takes him towards the line of scrimmage and then the offensive line is coming back. back There's times he's kind of like jumping up and throwing as the guys are hitting him in the face, balls yeah. are getting tipped. Yeah. It's harder for him to see reads. So you got to see him kind of step back and drop and 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 you know go through the progressions in that kind of way, Sean. And so those are the different aspects that you look at and say, you know, he he's not making the same kind of the same kind of changes that we saw from from Sam Hartman, I mean, from Jack Cohn. Yeah. So I think that transition will be good. Now, the the the, tra- the the change for him is going to be from a reading and a processing thing. So that's where Jack Cohn didn't have to make a, a, a huge adjustment, is Jack came from a pro-style passing system to a pro-style passing system. Right. It was different, but, you know, he was making deeper, more complex reads at Wisconsin. Sam hasn't done as much of that. It was at Wake Forest, so that the, the the adjustment for him is going to be more mental than physical. Which for me, if he's got the mental acumen, will actually be good because you can make that you can make that in a spring and a summer, right? And so that's a positive. It, 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 it the the fit, what can be different is when you've got to reprogram your body to do something it's not used to doing. That's where you can get to be. That's where you can have a a, a challenge. You know, like Joe Burrow needed a transition year to kind of get comfortable, you know, when, when he transferred, but some guys don't cause they go to systems that are better suited to kind of what they do. Like Justin Fields had more of a transition into Georgia than he had into Ohio state because into Georgia, he had to learn to be more under center and do all that kind of stuff. And yeah. whereas going to Ohio state, he was going back to kind of stuff he did in high school. And so that's what I look at. But, you know, to me, it's one of those things where, you know, what does it look like for Sam Hartman to, to run this offense effectively? Well, he was never a, never really a high completion percentage guy. Part of that is because he threw more balls ten y- past ten yards past the line than anybody in college football the last two years. This year, no one had threw more passes down the field from either ten plus or twenty plus the last two years than Sam Hartman. Now this year, Drake May threw more individually this year by like three. Mm-hmm. He had one hundred seventeen. Sam Hartman had one hundred ten. He was third this year in yards in, in attempts past twenty yards. I mean, this cat's throwing the ball downfield a lot. Well, the further down the field you go, the lower your completion percentage is going to be. Right. And then when you're talking about playing behind the offensive line, he played played in in all five of his years at Wake Forest. Wake Forest averaged ninety second or worse in sacks allowed. And part of that is the offensive line hasn't been very good most years. And the other part of it is the the system inherently per, puts the quarterback in more sack opportunities and getting hit in the face opportunities. Yeah because of the way that the meshes run. So, and that was part of the reason I didn't want him at first, Sean, to be completely honest with you. That's the reason I was like, not, I mean, you know this, when when you and I first started talking about Sam Hartman being an option for Notre Dame, I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about this, man, right. just from having watched them on TV. Right. Well, then you dive into the film a little bit more and you, and, and you start to find those snaps where he was more of a drop back quarterback. Like, oh, when he was doing that, this cat was money. 
And so you look and say, this is a guy that can complete 65 to 68% of his passes in this style of offense. This is a guy that can also still attack the ball down the field. He's not going to throw the ball deep as much as he did at Wake Forest. Yeah. Won't have to, but it'll be in more one-on-one opportunities because he's going to have a lot more defenders near the box than he did at Wake Forest. Yeah. So he's going to have a lot more one-on-one reads on the outside, a lot more ISO reads than he had at Wake Forest, where he had to kind of read through the whole defense. That should help him a bunch. And then you would you would hope that it's going to cut down on his interceptions some, but I'm I'm honestly not going to obsess too much over the interceptions because number one, yeah, as you kind of go through and and you look at the 26 picks he had last year, I'd say about four or five of them were off of kind of deflected balls. Some of the others were a couple others were just trying to take some chances in situations where they were trailing. And then there's times he'll just flat miss a read and just not see a guy like Brian. uh, Brian, that's called being the guy that has to make it's the same thing remember that year Deshaun had well he threw 20 interceptions but he was throwing the ball like 70 times a game right because he was the only thing that Clemson had offensively because they didn't have a running game well they didn't try to build one yeah right which you know I I thought they should have ran better with Wayne Gallman there but they just kind of decided they were going to go in that direction and that was kind of when I thought the Clemson offense started to kind of Go like this. They yeah. put so much on the quarterback's shoulders, and it Absolutely. was the scheme wasn't good. I've never Absolutely. been a big fan of, of Clemson's offensive scheme. You know that they just win because yeah. they had better players than everybody yeah. else, or at least better quarterback than. Everybody. But yeah, but see, you you've got to be careful not to beat too much of that out of him, because it's kind of like with Tyler Buckner. Do I want? Am I okay with Tyler Buckner throwing three picks? No, I'm not. Do I want to completely el- eliminate the things that led to those three picks? No, I don't. Because if you eliminate that, then you also eliminate the crazy throw to Jaden Thomas. You eliminate the bomb they threw to Brayden Lindsey. I don't want to eliminate that. I just want to get him a little bit smarter with it. Yeah. So you're going to have to live with the fact that there's going to be a couple picks next year that he's going to throw that you're like, yeah, Drew Pine never would have made that pick. You're correct. But there's about 12 throws that Sam Hartman's going to make every game that like Drew Pine never would even attempt, much less complete. No, that's and facts. that's the trade-off. That's facts that you need to, to need to look into, and that's what's going to make this team so much better, in my opinion, is because of whether it's Sam Hartman or Tyler Buckner quarterback. But of course, in the act, look, Notre Dame's not bringing Sam Hartman in with the thought that he's going to get beat out in two weeks, and Sam Hartman's not coming here with the thought he's going to get beat out. No. Can Tyler Buckner beat him out? Of course he can, but it's it's not what I'm expecting. So we're going to kind of go with the premise that you know if Sam Hartman wins the job, and so. Then you get into, Sean, okay, well, are the pieces around him good enough? Because here's what I don't think Sam Hartman's going to be able to do. I don't think Sam Hartman's going to be able to put this team completely on his shoulders and go win a championship. And wait, honestly – hold, hold. Can you say that one more time? I don't think Sam Hartman's going to be able to put this team on his shoulders and go win a championship okay. the way that, like, Trevor Lawrence did – I mean, excuse me, Deshaun Watson did in 2016. The way I, that, in some ways, Mac Jones did in 2020. In mm-hmm. some ways, I just wanted um, to, I wanted it to yeah. come out of your mouth. And, yeah, you know. because but but what you have to understand is, does that mean Sam Hartman can't win a title? No, that's not what I'm no. saying. What I'm saying is, is he's gonna he he is more Max Dugan, Stetson Bennett than he is Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. But who's playing for a title in Caleb Williams? But who's playing for a title tonight? It's not Bryce Young. No. It's not C.J. Stroud. It's not Caleb Williams. It's not Drake May. It's mm-hmm. not Hendon Hooker. Who is it? It's Max Dugan and Spencer. I mean, Stetson, Stetson Bennett. Bennett. <clears throat> and that's that's my point, is that Notre Dame is not in a position yet where a quarterback, where they have a quarterback can just say, hey, you know, now maybe they have one. Maybe that guy show, Maybe that guy's Tyler Buckner. Because the interesting thing is, Sean, is I do think Tyler Buckner can be that kind of guy. I just don't think it's going to be 2023 yet. 
I do think Tyler Buckner is the kind of talent that can put a team on his shoulders and say, I got this. Mm-hmm. But he's not there yet. I think Kenny Mitchie could maybe be that guy. I think C.J. Carr can be that guy. But they're not going to be the quarterbacks in 2023. So the key is, is Sam Hartman that missing piece to a championship puzzle? That's the key. That's what I think he can be, mm-hmm. but they're not quite there yet. There's a couple little things you need to add, and some of them they've already added. Sean, yeah. I didn't think of, I didn't. I, I we'll get to it when we get to the transfer stuff, but you know, there's some other pieces that need to add, and some key pieces they have added from high school recruiting, and then also from the transfer portal that's going to be there. Because if you take Sam Hartman and put him on the Notre Dame 2022 team, Notre Dame is to me at worst ten and two, maybe even eleven and one. Like I don't know if this yeah, team yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't lose. They don't lose to Marshall and Stanford. No, and they don't I think, lose to Marshall and Stanford. And I think they would have won either Ohio State or USC. I think they would have won one of those games, in my opinion. At you know, at best, I think they could have. Like to me, USC That's definitely, That's definitely USC because Sam Hartman. I don't think makes those turnovers that 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 Drew Pine made. I would say this later in the season. Yes, the USC game would probably would have been a better bet than Game One. I, if, if I was projecting, I think they would have still lost the opener because the O line yeah. wasn't playing well. They yeah. wouldn't; they'd had tr- trouble giving him time. But to me, yeah. when I look at, I'll I'll take this to my grave, Sean. Seventeen to seven, Notre Dame goes down there and scores to make it seventeen fourteen third oh, quarter. The second half, USC, oh, yeah. USC, they roll USC. Yeah, yeah. USC wouldn't know how to handle that. But look yeah. at that happening at Utah. Yeah, once Utah smacked them in the mouth a little bit and got on them, USC <laughs> collapsed. Hey, once Tulane smacked them in the mouth. Right. All right. I mean, bit. Caleb Williams had to be Superman that game. <laughs> and they still were Drew Pine making a couple really bad mistakes wow. away from being in that game and having mm-hmm. a shot to win it. So, uh, but the point is, is, but I don't know if they're playing tonight. I, you may disagree with that, Sean, but I don't, I don't know if they're playing tonight if Sam Hartman's the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And and that's, that's the thing. I, I don't think so. I, I, I would say, I don't think, I think they'd have been in, but I don't know if they're yeah, playing. Yeah, I don't tonight. know if they're playing tonight. That definitely would have been in the conversation. Right. So are they, are they quite red are they quite there yet with this team to be to have beaten Georgia? Yeah, because if they I, lose to Ohio State, that's an impressive that's an impressive loss. Right. To the committee. I actually think they would have been in over Ohio State if they were eleven and one. Ooh. It would have been very debated, but oh if Ohio State had lost the way they lost against Michigan. Correct. Yes, eleven I, and one Notre Dame that. with a with that. a let's say twenty one. Let's say he was worth three points. Yeah, a twenty one to thirteen loss to to Ohio State at Ohio State, and then roll Clemson, roll you beat USC. You know, roll North Carolina, all that. I think Notre Dame would have been in over Ohio State because the res the resume would have been way better. Yeah, way better. Yeah, but the point is, is Sam Hartman makes this team better. Sam Hartman gets them to the point where quarterback won't be the reason they don't play for a title next year. No. That's what Sam Hartman does. No. In, hey, in my opinion. Thomas Harper makes this team better. We were right. just talking about that. Right. So, Which, and, and we'll get to that in a second, too. Right. But, like, just wrapping up the quarterback position, Sean, is, is mm-hmm. we have to be willing to address this, is, like, look, we have to be willing to say that Sam Hartman makes this team better. Heck, yeah. No quite Like, way better than what the quarterback play was. But I, but I don't think that it's fair to ask him or any other transfer portal. I, I think he's probably the best player that jumped into the portal quarterback, in my opinion. I think he's better than Spencer Sanders. 
He may not be more physically gifted than Spencer Sanders, but he's a better quarterback than Spencer Sanders. He's better than Graham Mertz. He's better than Grayson, much better than Grayson McCall. I'm trying to think of some of the other quarterbacks. Uh, he's better than, obviously, way better than Jack Plummer. Hudson Card. Hudson Card. I mean, yeah. Hudson Card may have more physical tools, but he's not going to be the better quarterback in 2023 for the no. same reason that Tyler Buckner won't may not be the better quarterback in 2023. And I don't think Hudson Card has physical tools as good as Tyler Buckner's, yeah. in my opinion. So, you know, to me, he, he makes them better, and he helps – reduce the odds that quarterbacks the reason they don't play for a title next year yeah but the reality is is we also have to be willing to look at this roster sean and i know this is kind of part of what you wanted to talk about and say but there's still other parts of the roster that have to get better if they're going to coaching wise and player wise we're going to play for a title now some of that is addressing portal needs some of it is coach up the kids you have and get them ready to play Mm -hmm. like georgia did georgia lost 15 dudes in the nfl last year you know what they went and did? They didn't get a bunch of transfer dudes. How, how many guys in their starting lineup are transfers, Sean? Zero. They lost their best pass rusher and their team captain. Correct. To, to injury as well. Right. And they lost um, their number two tight end, got banged up mm-hmm. You know, in, in the postseason a little bit. You know, you had other injuries during – Lad McConkie was not 100% against Ohio State. Lad McConkie. They built their receiving core around Lad McConkie. Right. So, I mean, but the point is, is they were strong enough in so many other positions that they didn't go out there and and like Bama went out and just bought a bunch of players. I I don't mean that that way. You know what I'm saying? Right. With the portal stuff. They went out and got Jameer Gibbs and and they the guy from Georgia, Jermaine Burton, you know, and they went out and got Tyler Harrell and they went out and got all these. You know, who's the kid they got from uh, the the cornerback that everybody thought was this great player. Right. They went out and got these portal guys. Yes. They got the left tackle you know, Tyler Stern, and they got, got all these transfer guys. And what happened to Bama? They're a worse team this year than they were last year. You know, and, you know, it was, oh, it saved USC. What's USC doing tonight? What are they doing? Sitting at home. Right. I mean, yeah, they beat Notre Dame, but they also got their butts kicked by Tulane, and they got, I mean, by Utah and lost a flipping Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. So, you know, I still believe that building a team through through high school is the way to go, and then you plug in certain pieces there. So to me, you know, it's about okay, Chancey Stucky, big 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 responsibility for you this year. Yeah, you got you got Caleb Smith. We'll talk about him in a little bit, but it, if this team wants to be a championship team, you got to figure out how to get Tobias Merriweather and Je- and Deion Colsey going. You got to figure out a way to get. Um, Lorenzo Styles head back on straight. You got to be able to get these freshmen ready to play. And then it's up to Tom Reese to say, okay, Coach Reese, how can you better utilize Jaden Thomas? I loved how Tommy Reese used Jaden Thomas in the bowl game. And if they mm-hmm. use him like that next year, Sean, he's going to have a really, really clutch money year. Absolutely. As a slot guy. Absolutely. And and some other the outside guys may get more of the love and the attention, but he's going to be so clutch and so money, just like he was in that bowl game where he didn't catch a ton of balls in that game, but they were all big. Mm-hmm. They were all important. You know, you're going to be okay at tight end. You know, your offensive line, Harry Heaston's going to do what he does. Dylan McCullough's going to do what he does. Jared Parker's going to do what he does. They're going to be fine there. But Chancey Stuck, you better step it up, right? Other side of the yeah. ball. Al Washington, you better, you better, you better get some of these boys ready to go because I don't want to hear excuses about, oh, they don't have enough talent on the defensive line. If they don't add another transfer portal guy, I don't want to hear any crying about how they don't have good enough players on the defensive line. Nope. Riley Mills is a top recruit. Jordan Bethelho was a top recruit. Josh Burnham was a top recruit. Gabriel Rubio was a top recruit. 
right? Tyson Not all Ford sophomores a, was a, a top recruit, right? Yes, you know, yes. you've got you're bringing in you know four pretty talented defensive linemen, and I know Aiden Gobier was a top recruit. Tyson Ford, as you said, was a top hundred player. Mm-hmm. I don't want. There's a lot of coaches in college football that would be that would love, begging. We love. didn't. And Jason Nonye wasn't a top recruit, but he was a very, very skilled player. Aiden Kanaana, you get him back from injury, right? There's no excuse for you not to have a good defensive line next year, even if you don't get a portal guy. It's but can you coach it up well enough? Yep. Go and then Al Golden, you know, can you coach it up well enough? So I think there's some questions there. And then up to the players. Okay, Jordan Patelho, are you gonna have your head on straight enough to do what you need to do to become a breakout player next year? Hope so. Josh Burnham, you're gonna be locked in to do what you need to do, right? Gabriel Rubio, you're gonna do what you need to do. Riley Mills, you're gonna kind of say, Hey, this is my D line now and do what you got to do in this offseason. Those are all questions that have to be asked on the player level. You know, linebacker-wise, you guys going to finally let some of the more talented players play? Because, you know, you're, you're going to need that. Are you going to figure out a way to either get Maris Lewifau going or or find someone else to play his role? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions like that. But look, Notre Dame quarterback, Notre Dame, in my opinion, is now good enough to compete for a championship. Absolutely. Offensive line, running back-wise, right now, Notre Dame, in my opinion, is good enough to compete for a championship. Cornerback next year. Notre Dame is going to be good enough to compete for a championship. There's no question. No question. Now, receiver, there's the talents there. The talent is there. Don't don't tell me a team's about to play for a championship with Lad McConkey as your top receiver is is somehow has the talent to, to be great and and win a championship, but Notre Dame doesn't. Don't 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 give me that. Okay. Mm-hmm. With all the top hundred recruits, Notre Dame's going to have a receiver on their roster. Yeah. Okay. And then you know safety. The guys that played in the bowl game are basically all back with the exception of Houston Griffith. You know, so so that to me, it, it, it was solid last year. Linebacker, D-line, receiver are the are the positions that have to step up. And it's not going to be a talent problem, Sean. It's not going to no. be a talent problem. No. Now, can you get some portal guys that maybe provide you some depth and some veteran play? Cool. I'm, yeah. I'm good with that. Because, like, some people say, well, don't go to the portal and get another Viper. Like, because, like, number one, like, I'm good with where they're at a Viper. But if they go get another guy, okay, you do what you talk about a quarterback. You're enhancing your uh, the, the potential that somebody breaks out as a dude next year. Yeah, and so that's kind of what I'm looking at. So so, but Sam Hartman now scratches quarterback off the list, in my and, opinion. And because he does that, the next thing is what you pointed out. I think you talked about it with Vince last week. Thirty-eight points per game. Mm-hmm. That's, that should be the floor. That should be the floor. Yeah, and you talk about no excuses. I'm sorry, there are no more excuses for this offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Right. That, right. That's that's it. Notre Dame and this offense should efficiently get to 38 points per game, and even maybe up over 40 points per game. Mm-hmm. Right, and we yep. understand if Sam Hartman comes in, it's a learning curve. Sure. But with that learning curve, he has an offensive line and a running game to lean on especially early in the season. I expect there to be games where Sam Harbert might not throw but for 200 yards. Mm-hmm. Not because they're not in the groove. The running game is dominating so much. He plays two quarters, basically. There's <laughs> no need to right. throw the ball. Right. You expect a couple he's of He's not going to know what to do in that situation. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's going to be like a kid in the candy shop. Here's something else that should help Sam Hartman too, Sean, or, or to, and Tyler Buckner, both of them, because I think they'll both like, – if they don't both play in the first three games a bunch, I'm going to be upset. Not because I expect them to rotate, but you start the season off with Navy, 
mm-hmm. Tennessee State, and Central Michigan. Right? I'm sorry, Coach Freeman. I know you're a respectful guy, but you need to come out and just boat race those three teams and and really get your confidence up because some of the mistakes that Sam may make early in the season mm-hmm. won't be as costly in those games, in my opinion. And and so that's something that I want to see too. And and that should help you maybe get Tyler some early playing time as well. Make sure Absolutely. he's sharp and crisp. And then take some of that beating. So, like, you know, if you can get through the first few games, Sam Hartman's pretty clean, you know, from a sack standpoint, which is what you should be if the offensive line is as good as we think it's going to be. All of a sudden his confidence raises, and now he's ready to go face an Ohio State and ready to really face that tough part of the schedule. So that's something that the last two – I mean, Jack Cohn had to jump right in it at Florida State. I mean, right in it. And then, you know, last this past year, obviously starting off Tyler Buckner's first career start at Notre Dame is at Ohio State. Like, mm-hmm. seriously? Like, this is Jack Cohn's first career starts at Florida State, you know, and, and that environment. And, and that, you know, whereas where, who is who is Sam Hartman's? It's playing Navy. Yeah. And, and then you get to come home after playing in Ireland and play Tennessee State. Yeah. You know, then you get to come home and, and, and you're playing Central Michigan, went, what, four and eight last year? I mean, it, that yeah. that should help. That should this help. is this is why yeah. I constantly encourage the fan base to yo understand who your football program is. Like we we're not middle of the pack, right? We're top five, top six in the nation annually. We put top five, top six people in the NFL, right? Annually, we have five, the fifth or sixth most people in the NFL. We just had a full week of our tight ends just running up the board with touchdowns. Two weeks ago in NFL. Like, when was the last time you even heard the name Brock Wright? He's catching multiple touchdowns in a game. Brock right. Wright wasn't he was he ever the number one? No, he was Brock Wright at Notre Dame? Yeah. He was never number two. He was number number two. Right. And this is what he's doing. We just had Josh Pate right. put out a video where he was talking about, you know, the reason no uh people want to go play offensive line at Alabama is because they put all of these guys in the first round. And my pushback was, yeah, but Iowa and Notre Dame produce better products right. in the NFL. And put plenty of guys in the first round as well. Absolutely. I mean, during Harry Heastan's tenure at Notre Dame, nobody had more first-round picks than Harry Heastan. No, nobody. Not Alabama. Yeah. Not Iowa. Not Wisconsin. You know, but but that was five years ago, Sean, and that's way yeah. too long ago for for people to be remembering, Yeah. you know, that yeah. type of thing. And, but, and yeah. it goes back to what you said. I think the reaction, the fan reaction, was because they have been starved at that position but you know like i know like because we do this a lot to ourselves especially when we do multiple shows in a day we'll both get done and it's like four or five o'clock and we haven't eaten anything all day and we're so hungry and literally whatever we eat is going to taste really good it's like oh my god this is so good yeah because you're starved and i think that was kind of like the reaction like oh wait a minute we're going over the top a little bit because we're so starved it's good but let's not act like it's that right. good or go to that extent right and in, in that extent let's not be dismissive right of, of tyler button that i i definitely don't like that i'm i'm not going so over the top that i'm not dismissing how this young man came back show resolve and improved right. he improved without playing a down of football from marshall to that bowl game he yeah. improved yeah. So his improve his improvement, even if he's not the starter, raises the level of the backup. So if something happens to Sam Hartman at 23 as a starter, you feel pretty confident 
with that dude coming mm-hmm. in and saying, "Oh yeah, we can we can win this week. Mm-hmm. We can win this week with him." So mm-hmm. absolutely, as in totality, all of the pieces are starting to come together for Marcus Freeman's plan to get Notre Dame to the national right. championship, and right. that's what we should be excited about the most. Right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And, and I think what I'm excited about too, Sean, is, you know, one of the things I've talked about is being at games. And mm-hmm. I've talked about this with, with Ryan at the couple games he went to because Ryan – Ryan was at a game this year. He was at the Marshall game, then he covered Syracuse, and then he covered the the Navy games for Irish Breakdown. So he was at three games this year live. And I was at I was at all almost all the games this year as well. You see, like there's somebody in the chat saying, you know, do we have receivers get open consistently? And I'm like, look, y'all, that was not the problem this year. I, I keep saying this. That was not the problem this year. It's not a surprise when Tyler Buckner came back and kind of played like we expect Tyler Buckner to play as a passer, you know, like and, and yeah, the mistakes were there, but like meaning like getting the ball out, attacking, doing all that. All of a sudden, receivers are getting open. All of a sudden, like mm-hmm. imagine that, right? And there was a couple other times he missed open receivers. You know, he missed Mitchell Evans going down on the scene. He missed Jay Thomas on a break uh, out yeah. route. That yeah, had uh, Chris Tyree open on a little quick wheel route. I mean, there was mm-hmm. there was times when he had. You're talking about that first third down, right? Yeah, he had that deep. There was like that great route, like, kind great of like a, a scissors concept and, yeah. and Jaden broke it off on an mm-hmm. outcut because that's what yeah. you do against that particular coverage as you break it out and Tyler just threw it too wide mm-hmm. I mean he had guys get open all day yeah. and so and we've been saying that all year I mean Drew Pine finally steps up and starts hitting guys down the field and all of a sudden look what happens they rip USC up with a an okay player quarterback right you know, Ohio State game. Go back and watch that game. There's about four or five guys that were open for what should have been big plays against Ohio State. But either yeah. Tyler either missed, the receiver slowed down, Lorenzo Styles, or he didn't get time to throw. Yeah. that That's the talent at receiver is not the problem. The attitude at times is a problem. The the technique early in the season was a problem. Uh, but, you know, one of the guys that I was most critical of early in the season, Jaden Thomas, for his effort and route running, by the end of the year was, in my opinion, their best receiver. By the end of the year. Facts. You know, uh, so that growth gave me confidence that, hey, you got a receivers coach and get these guys ready. Deion Colsey was non existent early in the year. Mm-hmm. By the end of the regular season, he's their most clutch pass catcher, not named Michael Mayer. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so, and you did all that without Michael Mayer in the bowl game as well, which is a, another thing. So you look at a song and say, man, look, man, the, the talent's there for this team. Don't don't tell me that TCU's got the talent to go play for a championship, but, but Notre Dame doesn't. You know, it's yeah. about coach them up, right? Now, if you can Absolutely. add some transfer portal pieces, go for it. And I think they've already added two at positions where they needed it, and as we'll get into here in a minute. But the rest of it is like, look, go coach up. I, I don't I don't care about C.J. Williams, whatever. he What did he do at USC this year? I, I don't, I'm not worried about him. Go coach up Tobias. Go co- coach up Dion. Go coach up Lorenzo Styles. Get Lorenzo back to being the dude head-wise and body-wise, the guy he was in the bowl game in late 2021. Mm-hmm. You get him back to just being that guy. Forget improving upon that guy. Just get him back to being that guy. 
Yeah. With Jaden Thomas, with the tight ends, with Caleb Smith, with De- with Deion Colsey, with Tobias Merriweather. Yeah. This receiving core has a chance to be really good, but they got to prove it. That's the thing. And that's why I'm not ready to just jump in that Notre Dame should be a preseason top five team. I'm not ready to go there yet. It, it, do I think they have a top five roster? Just pure talent wise? Yeah, I think they're in that conversation. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of unproven aspects to that top five roster. There's a lot of defensive linemen that need to prove themselves this year. A lot of linebackers that got to get better and prove themselves this year. There's a lot of receivers that got to show me that they can take their – because right now with the D-line, the receiving core, and the linebacker core, Sean, the primary topic of conversation is the potential. You don't win championships with potential. You win championships with production. Mm -hmm. And how quickly they can get the potential, or not even quickly if they can at all, get the potential to turn into production is going to determine whether they win a championship. And it's not going to be because they don't win it because Sam Hartman's not that guy. Sam Hartman won't be that guy because the receivers don't step up and do what they need to do. The offensive line doesn't continue making strides. The defense puts, makes him have to be in shootouts next year. Every time they play a big game, like that's the concern I have right now is, you know, you're, you're going to get into a shootout with USC next year. And then it's Sam Hartman versus Caleb Williams. You don't want it to be that way. You want it to be Notre Dame and Sam Hartman against Caleb Williams. That's where you want it to be. Absolutely. You know, and, and so that's 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 how you beat Caleb Williams. You don't want you know you. It's got to be Sam Hartman and Notre Dame against Clemson. It's got to be Sam Hartman and Notre Dame against Ohio State, not Sam Hartman against Ohio State. That's the difference between what he has at Notre Dame and what he has at Wake Forest. But if it comes down to it, where it's Kyle McCord's team is playing great and Sam Hartman's got to put the team on his shoulders, Ohio State's going to win that football game. Because Kyle McCord is going to his supporting cast will be better if they don't play if if it's that if it's that way. Mm-hmm. And it's same thing against USC. If it's if it's got to be Caleb Williams putting his team on his shoulders and Sam Harden putting his team on his shoulders, it's probably not going to end the way that we want it to end, right? Just because he's a really really good college quarterback, but those guys are elite physical specimens at quarterback. And and so to me, Notre Dame needs needs to to say, hey Sam, you come do your thing. We're going to do our thing, and together we can be amazing. And and that's – like, you take USC, for example, Sean. I'm curious if you agree or disagree with me on this. If you take Caleb Williams off of USC's roster and give them any quarterback in the country not named Drake May, Bryce Young, or C.J. Mm. Stroud, they're a barely 500 football team this year, in my opinion. Yeah. Mediocre yeah. offensive line, in my view, with all due respect. Yeah. Below average defense – that just gets torched by every good. I mean, they made Drew Pine look like Jimmy Clausen. I mean, you know what I mean? And I'm not taking a shot at Drew, but like he didn't look like that all year. You know, they made the Pratt kid look look better. Right. So that's not where Notre Dame is. Yeah. That's not where Notre Dame is. Notre Dame's a good football team without you. Now your job is to take that next step offensively. And I think mm-hmm. that's the big question, Sean, because you you'd mentioned you know, can they be that 38 to 42 point per game team? That's the question. I yeah. think Sam Hartman gives them a chance to do that. Yeah. But they've got, they need the other positions to step up as well. The good news is, is you've got the depth. This is why depth is so important. If Lorenzo Styles doesn't pan out and it's a bias, Merriweather or Deion Colsey don't pan out next year, guess what? You still have Jaden Thomas. You still have Caleb Smith. You still have the other guy that does pan out of those three. So, like, yeah. what I'm saying is, like, Lorenzo, Dion, and Tobias. Let's say only one of those three guys pans out. All right, so you got that one guy. Right. Plus you got Caleb Smith. Plus you got Jaden Thomas. Plus you have the incoming freshman class. Plus you have your tight ends. Plus you have your running backs coming out of the backfield. 
it's not a situation like it was in 2015 where if Will Fuller doesn't play well or gets hurt, your receiving core goes from really dangerous to just kind of just a bunch of dudes. I mean, Amir and Chris Brown were really good complimentary players. Right. And and yeah. so that's why the depth is so important. If you lose, if you lose, gosh forbid, you lose Logan Diggs and Audric Estimate for something, you still have Chris Tyree, you still have Jadarian Price, you still have Jabron Payne, you still have Jeremiah Love. That's what's so huge about the depth that they're accruing on offense. Now it's time to put it all together. But they needed that trigger man. And they've got that now. And that's where a lot of the Notre Dame fan excitement comes from. And that's where my excitement comes from. Because this is the side of the ball that's been holding Notre Dame back for all these years. That's where I think it really comes down to. And that's why really, look, Sam Harbin and Notre Dame is really a great two-way relationship. Mm -hmm. It's a great two-way relationship where both sides benefit mutually. It really is. And he is really the cherry on top of the Sunday for Notre Dame. Right. right? Because we go back to what Notre Dame's offense was. They lack numbers. They lack depth in multiple rooms. They had offensive line talent, but it wasn't exactly being coached up as well as they are now. You had questions of the wide receivers not being coached as well, even though they had some talent there, even though they lacked the numbers. Now you're getting numbers. You have numbers in the running back room, the wide receiver room. You have depth along the offensive line. Even if you decide to add someone in the portal, you have two first-round tackles presumably coming back that are going to be the anchors of the offensive line. You have youngsters that are looking very well. Most people have been saying, watch this guy next year. Watch Mm -hmm. this guy next year. This kid could have actually played this year if given the opportunity. That's what you have offensive line, and you trust Harry Heastan. You see Jaden Thomas, his improvement. You trust Chancey Stuckey. You hear what Caleb Smith, the transfer from Virginia Tech, said. We'll get to him in a second. Mm -hmm. It was Chancey Stuckey that he made the immediate connection with. So you're trusting offensively the coaching that's happening as well with building out the numbers and getting the talent. Yeah. So now you add the quarterback. Right. And this is where we get to. There should be no reason because now we've had games where Notre Dame scores 40 points. And what did we say? The games they scored 40, we would come and talk in a postgame so and say, they really could have scored 50 if not for this. If not for that, well, should have, yeah. The, the antidote, yeah. the antidote to the if not for this, if not for that, should be Sam Hartman, right? So the 40 should go to 50, and then the lows should go from 20 up to 30 in those games, right? And this is what you're expecting. And when you make those small changes in every area, you should get the 40 point per game right. average that we expect this offense right. to be able to produce. And more importantly, Sean, can you get to 30-plus in the big games? That's the key. Absolutely. That's the difference. And and that's where I think that this – you have the quarterback now to get there. You have the running back talent to get there. You have the offensive line, the tight end, the talent at tight end to get there. But here's here's the key for Coach Reese. Can you harness it all together into one well-oiled machine? And that's what I'm looking forward to seeing this year. I really am. We've seen stretches of it. We saw stretches of it in 2020. We saw stretches of it last year in 2021. I mean, the way that offense was playing down the stretch, I mean, man, if you could put this offense back against Cincinnati. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and not even – I mean, I know they weren't playing great teams, but it was just like they were just – they were blocking well. They were – everyone's on the same page. The timing was so much better. Yeah. You know, Cone's confidence had risen back up and all that yeah. kind of stuff. 
It's like, boy, if this team could could, but that's always been the story. If the if the offense from Michigan State would have showed up against Miami in 2017, but that's always been the DMO, right? In the big games, the offense doesn't show up, and this is where. And, and I'm not talking from Tommy Reese's tenure. I'm talking about from the last 12 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that's going to be the, the 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 key part is does the offense? I don't care if the offense like if the offense comes out and hangs 50 on Navy and hangs 60 on Tennessee State, and 60 on Central Michigan, and scores a bunch of points on Duke and and Louisville and teams like that, and Stanford, who's going to be awful next year, but they score 17 against Ohio State and 20 against USC and 14 against Clemson, then I don't give a crap that they still average 39 points a game. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I don't care if they average 35 points a game because Mark Coach Freeman wants to call off the dogs and all that kind of stuff. But they go out and score 34 against Ohio State in a win and 33 in a win over USC or – or, you know, 39 in a win over USC or 32 in a win. I don't care. Like, just that's what matters to me. And that's yeah. what's been lacking. That's what's been lacking yeah. is the ability to score against the teams that, that where it matters. Notre had no problem blowing out teams that they're better than. Been doing that for years, the exception of this year, right? But that was an anomaly to me. And that's what I think. That's where the excitement comes from, Sean. And I get that. I get that. And I get where you're coming from, too, because you're not saying don't be excited. You're saying no. let's not put this all on Sam Hartman positively yeah. or negatively because it's, it's now up to him. It's unfair. Yeah. It's unfair. And you you know this. Football is every year. It's a different energy. Every team is different. This version of the Notre Dame football team is going to be different. And we can talk about Sam Hartman all we want to. You know what I can point to? That 130 yards per game given up on the ground. Yeah, now, we talk about that. Which is the amount of yards that Sam Hartman's offense rushed for last year. <laughs> we can talk about that. Let's talk about that. See, that's... here's the thing, though. You know what helps that, Sean? You know what helps a rush defense is an offense can come out there and just put points on the board and jump out early and often. Oh, absolutely. If you can take a team out of their comfort zone, if you can make – well, heck, Caleb Williams wouldn't care because he would love to throw the ball 60 times. Sure. And his, and his coach wouldn't care. But if you can, you can put Cal McCord down – double digits early in that Ohio State game and pretty much take Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams out of the game and force those young Ohio State receivers that are talented that have to make plays and put it on his shoulders in Notre Dame Stadium, go ahead. Absolutely, you help the Notre Dame rush defense. You absolutely do. And hopefully that will be one of the dominoes to help that. But at some point, that defensive line is going to have to step up. They're going to have to be coached up. And be more consistent. Absolutely. Yeah. You Absolutely. know, so you want to know one of the weirdest stats of the season, Sean? So if you go to cfbstats.com, you can sort by different categories. So I'm looking at the rush defense, the national rush defense this year. And you can look at it by all games at home, on the road, in wins and losses, conference, non-conference, versus FBS. If you go to versus Power 5, Notre Dame played nine games against Power 5 teams. Mm-hmm. They finished – and you look at rushing defense, they finished 12th in the nation in rush defense against their nine power five opponents. And they finished 12th in the nation in yards allowed per attempt or 14th in yards allowed per attempt. It's the weirdest stat line to me because they got gashed by Marshall. Yeah. The, you know, Navy got theirs. Right. But like, it's those weird games for me. Like they shut down North Carolina. Mm-hmm. They shut down Syracuse. They shut down a lot of good rushing teams. And then they go get ripped up by USC Ohio State and Marshall. 
Yeah. It's like, well, then it doesn't matter to me. Right. This, I was having this debate. With somebody, well, you know, look, they did a good job in this game, this game, this. And I'm like, but yeah, but what did they do in the two biggest games of the year, in my opinion? Mm-hmm. Against the two best teams they played all year. They got ripped up by USC and Ohio State in the run game. And so, yes, correct. That, that now was, the Ohio the State game is the greatest opportunity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they basically forced Ohio State to have to go to the run. Right. And that's the big question now. Golden will get into in the offseason is, can he be more of a college coach in year two mm-hmm. and not as much of an NFL coach in that he understands the importance of, of having a more balanced defense as opposed to game plans that are so geared towards stopping one aspect, which you can do in the NFL, right? I mean, look, mm-hmm. you take the pass game away from Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs are in trouble. Yes. That's just the reality of it. Yes. And so, it, it, you know, there, there's all types of things. If you take the run game away from the Tennessee Titans, they're not beating anybody, right? I mean, that's just – I mean, you know, I'm being hyperbolic. But those are those are things I look at, Sean, and I say that the defense has to get to that point. But here's the key. You have the quarterback now that can bail you out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like having a quarterback like that, whether it's whether it's – Sam Hartman or Tyler Buckner, because we saw that in the bowl game too. Defense gives up some plays. Defense yeah. struggles early, but then Tyler Buckner goes out there and makes some plays. Logan Diggs goes out there and makes a big play. Jaden Thomas, the offense was able to say, hey, you get our back when we need you to have our back. We'll have your back when you need us to have your back. Notre Dame hasn't had that kind of team in a long time. And so the defense is going to have a quarterback now that if they do make a mistake and give up a play, we got you. Don't worry about it. We're going yeah. to do what we need to do. Right. And they should have the type of offense. And this is where Coach Reese needs to get to. And I hope the Coach Freeman encourages this, allows this, then Coach Freeman, then Coach Reese pulls it off is I want an offense that's going to be much more focused on being great early than this year's offense. Mm-hmm. I want to be the best. If, if I'm Marcus Freeman, here's my goal for Tommy Reese I want to be the best first quarter offense in college football. And I definitely want to be the best first half offense in college football. Because if we can be the best first half offense in college football, our defense is going to be way better. Yeah. Because if you have the best first half offense in college football, there's way less pressure on the defense. You know, I don't have to go create things. I just, hey, do your job and make stops. Mm. I don't need you to scheme a million different thousand things to say we got to create pressures. We got to create, make stops because our offense is going to store, score, make stops. You know, and if that means in some games being aggressive because you think you can go after certain things and then do what you got to do. Yeah. Right. And in some ways it can, you can take two approaches to it. One is you can, you can be like Clemson was with Brent Venables. We got a great offense that can bail us out. So we're just going to, we're going to take chances and we're going to bring some pressures and we're going to, we may give up a player two, but we're going to force two or three turnovers because if we give our offense two or three turnovers, man, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Or the other way is kind of how Clark Lee did it, right? Which is, hey, look, we're just going to bend but don't break, keep everything in front of you, don't give up the big play, because eventually we're going to be able to make a play to make a stop, Mm -hmm. right? They both work, but they only work if you have a great offense. Because how did that work for for Clark Lee in the title game in in 2020? How did it work for him in the ACC championship game in 2020? It didn't work at all because the offense didn't carry their pull their weight. And so, you know – they had the opportunity, though, if sure. you watch, especially if you watch oh, the yeah. ACC championship game. They had multiple opportunities to put points on the board and mm-hmm. put Trevor Lawrence, you know, who was just getting back into the saddle in an uncomfortable position mm-hmm. and to help out the defense. They couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. You know, defense had come up with a turnover, tip ball, interception, got stops, 
Offense just couldn't capitalize and change the trajectory of the game. And you have to be able to do that. Like, especially in these big games, Brian, it's it's really starting to be like basketball, man. Right? Because you have to score points. And really, it's the team that's able to get stops, consecutive stops at the most important time of the game that gives their team the best chance to win. Right? Ohio State, Georgia was able to get consecutive stops and give Stetson Bennett and their yep. offense a chance to win the game. It was huge. It was huge. huge. Well, Sean, here's the thing. You look at Clemson's 2018 title team. They they finished 20th in the nation in turnovers forced with 24. In 2016, they had 27 forced turnovers. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame this year had 15. Yeah. Where would Notre Dame be this year if they forced nine more turnovers than they did? Just with this year's team. They're yeah. probably at worst ten and two. Yeah, if not, because if they would have, if if you if they would have matched turnovers with USC, for example, they win that game, in yeah. my opinion. Right. So they lost three, gained two. You just take one of those turnovers away, and it's yeah. a different ball game. Yeah. Especially if you take away the third quarter touch the turnover. Turnover. Yeah. You know, against Ohio State, it was an even turnover. You didn't turn it over at all, but you didn't force them to turn it over. You're not yeah. going into Columbus and beating them if you can't force a turnover or two. No. You're you're just not doing it. And and those are the things, in my opinion, that you you need to do. I mean, you know, I just you know, I mean, you, you just need them to play poorly. You know, yeah. like Michigan didn't. For, I don't think Michigan forced any turnovers, but like Michigan just jumped all over them. That's not who Notre Dame was this year, especially mm-hmm. by that time of the year. You know, so you're not going to go into Clemson next year and win that game if you lose the turnover battle, right? Because no. here's the thing: Notre Dame got killed in the turnover battle against Clemson in 2015, and still only and still had a chance to tie the ball game at the very end. Right, right. I mean, you have to feel confident. Like the kid only started one game. Yeah. Only started one game. So by the time he gets to Notre Dame, maybe he's a little bit better, but he's not going to be a finished product. No, no, I'm talking in 2015. Oh, but I'm just speaking like going into next year. They're going to be facing a Clemson team that won't have a finished product at quarterback. And you should be able to create turnovers in that game to echo what you're saying. Because like you lost to to Clemson 24-22 in a year where Clemson was the national runner-up. You had the Mm -hmm. ball, if you get a two-point – well, first of all, if you had a – kick the extra point the first time, then you're kicking an extra point to go to overtime and you've got all the momentum. Different yeah. conversation for a different day. But my whole thing is, is you lost that game by two points in a game where you had four turnovers and they had one. And I'm not even counting the shanked punt that went like 15 yards that right. gave them another touchdown drive. And you lost by two to the eventual national runners up. That's what I'm saying is like, but, but when you have an offense, it can put, the other team's offense in a pressure situation like Clemson was this year because of the special teams in the offense, right? Then the defense can turn the heat up a little bit and say, hey, it's 14 nothing in the fourth quarter. Our offense is, is, is you know, we're, we're in a, let's, let's go after them here, yeah. you know? And then you then that's, that's how you put a game away. So having that offense is going to be such an important thing, Heck right? Yeah. Such an important thing. Heck yeah.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.